Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? This is Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles coming at you with another podcast. And today we are again in Iowa for early till season. This is day three of the trip post hunt two. And I'm trying to remember exactly where we left off. But today I got Hunter with me again and Tim, the Iowa boys. And we got a reunion podcast, just the three of us. So how are you guys doing today? Good, good. How about you, Tim? Doing well. Getting awesome. a little late, but it's getting late in the evening, right? We uh been doing stuff all day, mm-hmm. hunted in the morning, came back, cooked up some teal, had a great time, mm-hmm. relaxed a little bit, then all the behind the scenes, flipping cameras, batteries, all that good stuff, and getting prepped for um the day's hunt. But I'm trying to remember. You guys remember where we left off on the last podcast? I think the last one we left off like talking about what the plans were for today that we for the hunt yeah. today. I think yep. that's about where we left off. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to jump into telling you guys all about all about today's adventures, and it was another good one. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. But before we do that, guys, let's get a quick word for from our partners, rather not for our partners, but from our partners. Um, and first off, we got to start with Onyx, guys. This trip is presented by Onyx. Um, it's awesome having their support. Awesome. Um, it gives us the ability to, to get out and do some of these trips like this and, um, super cool. And not only that, but it's, you know, a great company for waterfowl hunters. They got their app. They, it links online to their website as well. Um, we used it again today, uh, tracking, um, pins, all that good stuff out here on public land. Um, and it's just right there in the palm of your hands, man. It's such a powerful tool for the duck hunter and, um, I mean, I can only imagine how much harder it was back in the day. Almost, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's crazy. unimaginable, right? Unimaginable how how much the difference it, it makes. We wouldn't have found that mud cut, right? We wouldn't have, yeah, we wouldn't have had today's <laughs> hunt without it. Well, we would have had to work a lot harder, probably. We would have made well, it happen. I would have never even found the hole if it wasn't for Onyx, right? Because all the other pool maps show that that's kind of mudded in. So, right. So, guys, check it out. It's a great resource for the ducker. Also, I'd like to give a big big thanks to weatherby uh guys weatherby makes some awesome shotguns for the duck hunter um they got the 18i they got the element they got uh the new side by side which i've been having a lot of fun with i'm getting a little bit better with um you know i'm i'm a pretty decent shot with it it's just got a great feel shoulders great uh, honestly i'm a big fan of all their waterfall shotguns if you need a waterfall shotgun um, be sure be sure to check them out they got some great options uh, also like to give a big thanks to motion ducks guys motion ducks is the jerk rig on steroids guys uh, on those no wind days hunting ducks hunting geese you put it out there it spreads your decoys out in a more realistic way putting ripples through your set and helping you shoot more birds so use code duckgun10 it's changed. I said Duck Gun on the first podcast, but it's Duck Gun 10, no spaces, and get a discount over there on the website. Also, like to give a big thanks to Final Approach, guys. They're the one-stop shop for the Duck Hunter. Uh, they got everything you need. They got decoys. Tim, tell, tell them about your fully flocked mallards you got today. Yeah, I opened them today. Uh, they are the new FA Live fully flocks, I believe. That's right, yep. yep. Mallards. They are the mallards. Uh, and the hens. You know, a lot of hens don't come flocked. These hens come Fully flocked as well um, in the pack, and they look spectacular. They look the really best good. hen I've ever seen. Yep, I would agree. And they're oversized, which is even better. Um, yeah, they looked really good. That's the best hens I've seen for sure. Yep. So, really guys, good. season's coming in quick. Put your list together and go over to FA and get everything you need to make your season happen. So, um, I think that's everybody. Um, let's go ahead and jump on into today's hunt. So I'll let you. I'll let you start again, Tim or Tim Hunter. <laughs> okay. So uh, we were hunting the same pool that we hunted yesterday, the same like hole, and we decided to try to get the mud boats into the hole today, so we wouldn't have to walk across it and walk a gear across. And so using Onyx, we actually found that at one time someone made a cut through some pads to get back to it. So we found it 
first we didn't find it. Yeah, so first off, I didn't know, like, I, was, I would even asked you, and maybe you explained it last year, but, like, when you say a cut, because I think to somebody who doesn't hunt a lot of these big public land areas where everybody has mud motors and, and all that, like, how does, because it's like, if you just today tried to go through the lily pads where there's not a cut, like, we couldn't make it. No. So, so what happens is when the water's up, at some point someone ran back there with a mud motor, and the mud motor does, like, blow out some of the mud. And then as the water dropped, someone just kept running back there. And then it makes a cut that usually, usually they're, like, two foot deep right where the prop is at. And then they're about a boat wide width. Like, right. you know, the average yeah. boat wide width. Yeah, it's like a path that's, like, three foot wide. Mm-hmm. And it's through hundreds of yards of lily pads. Where yeah. you, like, like you said, where when the water was high, the boats ran through. And it was high enough to get through and the prop's still cutting a path. Mm-hmm. And then the water drops, you know, a foot, and they keep hunting it. They run through that same thing that was lowered from them, cutting through there. And they just do it over and over through the whole season as the water drops. And then, bam, it's like a spot that the lilies don't grow. And it's like we were trying to find it. We almost went right by it. And then I just happened to, like, turn my head, and um, the headlamp went right on it for a second. I was like, hey, is that the cut? And you're like, yeah, there, there it is. And so it was like that hidden, right, just a little impression in the lily pads mm-hmm. of this tiny trail which is it's super cool to go through um just because it's like yeah it feels like you're just driving it especially at night it feels like you're just driving into like nothingness right you're just following a goat path and you're driving into nothing right and they stick around for a very long time like right. once they're cut they usually are always there for the most part yeah because the other thing that like the mud motors do is they blow the mud out to the hard bottom so, like, in the Mississippi River, a lot of our bottom is actually sand <coughs> underneath of the mud. And so it blows the bottom out to hard, and then lily pads don't really grow on that hard bottom, so it never really grows back up there. And so it kind of always just does that. Right. So the first time we explained the spot, it's like a pond, a big pond um, inside an island. But um, And we didn't think it was any – we didn't think there's any way to get into it. No. But there's, like, a little cut through all that vegetation – and it's just super cool coming through that, and then like it just you're going through all this vegetation. You don't think you're going to get anywhere, and then all of a sudden you like pop out through it, and it just opens up. And we decided like our own name for it is like Green Valley, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it comes in, and like the trees are like the top of of the like the bluffs of the valley, right? And then it just drops down to like the next type of vegetation, which is, like tall grass that's over our head and then it's um arrow arum that's like our head height and then from there it's lilies and then it's like um the pond which is all full of duckweed mm-hmm. so and it's just yeah it's just a super cool spot and you come into it right in the night the moon's shining right through there it's, oh man it's it's just super cool yeah it is and so we we drove back there with the boats today <coughs> and i don't know if we'd said it on the last podcast but we decided to hunt two groups it was Jordan, Tim, and I in one group, and then Devin and John. And so we set, what was it, like just over 300 yards apart. We There's two different points that we saw the birds working yesterday, and so we decided to set apart from each other. We thought we had a better chance of shooting birds that way. Right. And so that's how we started, right? Definitely, yeah. That's how, that's how we started. And uh, I mean, it was, it was honestly a pretty good plan, but it turned out we kind of guessed which point would be better. Mm-hmm. We put three people on the point we thought would be better and two people on the, the point that would be a little bit, you know, easier, a little bit harder to kind of even out how many birds each point had to have. So you want to take about, Tim, you want to jump in and talk about what happened on the, at the beginning of the hunt? Uh, Yeah. So we dropped off Devin and John and then took off into the night. Uh, they had me go through the mud cut first. Had no idea where I was going because I'd never seen this spot yet. Got stuck a couple times. Uh, got stuck because Jordan said, hey, there's two cuts there. I said, yeah, I'll take the one on the left. That was the wrong one. Uh, there's no water there. So then, yeah, got all set up. <laughs> Hunter and uh, Jordan loaded the canoe. And, like, I'm sitting in my boat. I was like, oh, they'll probably push that canoe over to my boat so I can throw my stuff in it. And <laughs> I watched Hunter give it a good shove. And I was like, oh, there goes Jordan's lifeline. Like, just floating away from us. Right. Um, and then at that point, I'm like, does someone have a paddle so I can test this? Because it looks like we're sitting in, like, two or three inches of water. Mm-hmm. And no, it was like a bottom that indefinitely yep. went down. Yep. Yeah. Like put, I just pushed the pool and it went as far as I could push it and never stopped. I was like, oh, I'm not getting out here. <laughs> and the canoe's all the way by the shore now. 
And that thing just glided across like the two say, inches as, of water. As you're checking the depth, the canoe just keeps getting farther and farther away. <laughs> right. It just kept on going. Yeah. Calculated error. <laughs> yeah, it happens. We ended up, fi- we found out we could run the boats as long as we kept the weeds off the prop. We could run the boats in the mud pretty well. Um, so we were able to get the canoe, dropped you off, and then Hunter and I took the boats out of there to go hide them. So just uh, just to stop you for a second there. So we actually sat in the boats because we, we wanted to be, you know, make sure we had the spot and all that. So we sat out there for hours. And it's, honestly, it's, um, I mean, I think people, like, we talked about this last time. Like, yeah. does this make us crazy that we're we're out there? But I just loved, like, just being out in the marsh, like, our lights off, just watching the sky. We're talking about, like, constellations and looking at the stars and, Hey, which planet is this one? And and all that kind of stuff. We saw some shooting stars. We're just sitting there, just kind of enjoying it. And I think most people would be like, "You're crazy! You're sitting in the middle of like a death swamp in two boats. <laughs> like if you step off, it just like you know." But we're just sitting in our boats, just chilling, mm-hmm. having a good time, talking. And we're like, "All right, well, I guess it's time to set up." It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> we're almost like sad that we have to like right. <laughs> in that part of the hunt. You know, it's just. Just the waiting, the waiting part. And, like, granted, I wouldn't want to do it every day because it's, like, a, a rigorous schedule, like, what we've been on, just mm-hmm. being out there in the marsh late and then or early, whatever yeah. you want to say, and uh, not much sleep. But, like, the times you get to do it and be out there like that, it's, I mean, I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah, it, it, it is nice. And, it you know, you're right. It, it is a very enjoyable part of the hunt to kind of sit out there and hang out and and, you know, shoot the crap and just, like, hang out you know right right and just be out there mm-hmm. in the marsh and just like uh yeah all the crickets are singing we calling back and forth with owls last night yep. we heard a couple flocks of, or flocks geez a group of coyotes <laughs> running in the bluffs and stuff and like yep. you know it's just cool yeah we heard a screech owl and a barred owl and so that was cool practice my uh turkey locator call <laughs> <laughs> still needs some work the, the owl didn't hoot back but it's always fun to try yeah so after we got done with that Tim and I actually ran the boats back out of the cut because there wasn't a good spot to uh, to like hide the boats in this like marshy area. So we ran them on the back side of where we were at, so we could walk back across the the island part, you know. And so we could walk back across the island where Jordan had already set the decoys and made a blind for us to kind of hide <laughs> in in the reeds. And so we're walking in, and normal etiquette, you're in a reed blind. You make one entrance. And then you make an L shape where everybody right, like right. sits. You know, the long side of the L is where you sit, and your one entrance is the short side of the L. Yep. And uh, here comes Tim, Bushman, Bushman Tim, just walks right through the front of the blind. <laughs> just, just right just through Just bust the whole thing in down. In my defense, did not know the blind was there at the time. Huh. And then I realized, like, as I got in, I was like, hey, there's a gun here. Uh, that, yep, yeah, I, I felt pretty good because you guys both took the boats back, and I walked, I, made the, I knocked down the brush, made our little man-made like a frame out of the vegetation mm-hmm. i set up stands for the guns put the guns on them uncased them put all the blind bags in there and laying out the decoys almost had it all done by the time you guys got back but then tim man you just <laughs> just rolled right through the, the abominable I snowman was just, just, i was <laughs> looking out for hunter i was making sure he had a good shooting window it, turned <laughs> it, out, it did turn out turned pretty out good it was a great shooting window for him so once we got into the hunt though it was um i do feel like we we're like well, like, where'd all the birds go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't see nearly as many birds in the hole today. It was a great yesterday. hunt, though. Yeah. Like, just not, but, like, at the start, um, the were, start was, were you guys feeling like, like, oh, crap, a little bit of, like, that or no? The start was good before shooting time. Right. You're right. There was like, lots we of birds watching, flying. We were watching lots of birds and, you know, lovely hunting in Iowa. We're always facing east, it seems like, so we get a look at this lovely sun. Oh, but, no, the, yeah, you're right. We saw lots of birds before shooting light, and then the uh, <laughs> and then it kind of like cut off right as uh, right as sunrise because we can't shoot 30 minutes before we've talked about it. But it cut off right at sunrise, and then it was kind of like that sinking feeling of like, uh, we just watched the show, and now we're going to do nothing for the rest of the day. Right, right, and that's like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a bad feeling. And and then it gets worse. So we're sitting on the point that we thought was going to be better, <laughs> and it gets worse because we're like not seeing very many birds. And then we just keep hearing shots ring out from Devin and John. Right. They Which just, wasn't like the end of the world. Yeah. But it's like, because it's one of our buddies. It'd be worse if it was like some... Yeah, some random guy. R- some random guy that comes and sets up close to you or something. But even then, they weren't that close. But it seemed like all the birds, they'd come in, 
and we could just see them waffle like maple leaf like down into the valley and then they just went and sucked right into their their yep, set right into it and yeah so they're cracking away but we did you know and then every time it seemed like we did have some work in us was when they shot right yeah, yeah. so it was like half of our birds that came in Right when they shot, they you know, and they bust off out of there, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of unfortunate timing. It was so weird how we'd see so few birds. It was like they'd come in, and half of them would go towards them, and half of them would be making their way towards us, and they didn't quite make it before the shots happened. Yeah, but it almost like I thought about it. It almost makes sense because yesterday when we were watching birds come in, they kind of came in in like a wave, right, Jordan? Like there'd just be like a mass of birds that would come in. So I imagine the same thing happened today just with less birds. Where a wave would come in, some would work them, some would work us. Right. Whoever had the birds that would set first would be the ones that uh, ended up shooting. Right. It'd be like eight birds come in and four birds go t- down towards them. And- mm-hmm. Right. So, but, I mean, and then I was on the very far left side of the blind. And what was it? I had shot four birds before anybody else. So, when I, and it was, okay, so we got to talk about this too. Because um, when I'd make like a point to say like, like you were, you know, quick draw, mm-hmm. and you're like almost taking offense to me, like <laughs> saying that you're like quick drawing on the birds. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, because like it, you don't want to be the guy that hogs the whole hunt. You know, like everybody hunts with someone that is that guy, and it sucks to do that. But sometimes you're on the right side of the blind, sure. And you're sometimes you're, you're like sometimes it just works out that way, right? And I also found out you guys don't call shots ever. No, I mean not when we're in a small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just, I just don't pick my gun up usually. Yeah, you just kind of sat there. I'd always be like this. I'd like be sh- shouldering it, and then it would like crumple. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, I had one bird, and you had five. Yep, in the blind at, at one point, and um, you had zero, Tim, at that right. point. Yep, I and, don't even know if I had fired my gun yet. No, I don't no, think you had. And, I've, and I, had, I think I fired at one flock at that point, and it was that five pack. And yeah. then I shot after you shot, and they already kind of buzzed off. And there's probably an like the first shot, I just missed, and then the second shot, he was kind of getting out of there, and I I put it on him again. But I probably should have just let that second shot not go. Um, but I, I I was just like, man, I want I was a little hungry to get get yeah. that bird. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then at that point, um, our buddies call, mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, we limited. Do you guys want to walk through the woods down to us and set up over here? It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense if we're gonna all try to shoot our limits. So me and Hunter walked through the woods. It was like, you know, four or 500 yards around that way mm-hmm. to those guys. <clears throat> and Tim decided to stay um, just because, well, I'd kind of like hedge our bets. We still had birds coming over there. And like, literally like we got like 20 yards in the woods and you started shooting. So <laughs> like yeah. the whole time we were walking, I think that you shot like three or four birds while we were walking. Yeah, I had three. I think I had three dead before you guys got over there. Because like every time I turned around, there would just be one coming right into the decoys. Um, they were literally just not doing anything, just coming right to the spinner. Mm. Um, the first one I killed was literally on top of the spinner. And then the next two, I almost shot his <laughs> uh, flock of flickers. I shot decoys instead. Yeah, and, speaking uh, of being on oh, the spinner. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk yeah. about that. Yeah, speaking of being on the decoys, too. Yeah. Anyways, go with the spinner. So finally, jokes. finally, Hunter said, all right, you can have this one. Mm. And and the bird comes in, and he's just coasting the whole way. And I put it on it, and, I, and I'm and i I'm taking my time. Like, I'm literally, like, on the spinner, I'm just watching him. Because, like, where's he going to go? He's just literally like this, wings out like this, and pull the trigger. And, like, I'm shooting through, like, the marsh grass, and the bird just crumples. But, like, you know how, like, when you're just looking at the bird, you don't really see anything else? And then, boom. And it was, like, right on Tim's brand-new <laughs> AVNX teal spinning wing decoy. <laughs> Side note, if you're looking for a good spinning wing, they take pretty good it, shots. Actually, that was amazing, how yeah. little damage it took, because it was covered up completely. Yeah, the shot and, cam footage... Had a mojo-sized hole in the pack right, from right. where he hit it. It looked, I mean, you could see where shot, like, hit it, like, bounced down in the water, hit the top of it, skipped across to the other side of the pond. It just, um, yeah, I mean, it yeah. was it was just as dead as that bird. But <laughs> but the amazing thing, I mean, it took no damage. I mean, I, well, went through it. There's, like, 
there i guess there's like little craters in there where the yeah. shot hit but yeah it's i mean maybe they must have done some product testing on that to take yeah. a, a shotgun shot because 12 gauge load point blank basically oh yeah like 12 yards yeah and then when we were walking around when tim was having those birds come in he managed to massacre two of my decoys, <laughs> so I got two sinkers. No, they hadn't sunk yet. That was on the green. That was on the green wing that came in that I shot ten times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the the silver lining is we had decoying ducks. Yes. Yep. Yes. So that was that was one thing I was like trying to be super careful on. We've talked about before. I mean, this type of vegetation, small bird. I just feel like they're easy to to lose. Mm-hmm. So I was being super careful to not. I, didn't, I really didn't want to lose. I mean, you never do. But this this type of vegetation scenario is like, I mean, it can be easy to lose a bird. So I was overly cautious on my shot, shot selection to make sure that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And, like, on that note, we didn't lose a bird today. Right. Every bird that we shot, we recovered. Yeah. So, that, I mean, like, that's good. Oh, yeah. And so to continue the story that we got on the sidetrack about the murdering of decoys uh jordan and i walked down to where the other two were to try to finish our limits we get down there and i don't know within like five to ten minutes i shot my last bird and so i was done and jordan you only had one bird at that point right yeah that's right yeah and so i was done with my limit and then we were waiting for jordan and tim to finish what they were had going on yeah and then like I'm still sitting over there, and Tim gets to four. I'm like, holy crap, I'm at one. We have three guys limited, mm-hmm. and Tim's at four. Like, what's going on? And so, finally, it was kind of my time to to shine because nobody else was shooting in, in my group. <laughs> and so I could just take my time. And, like, I mean, it was so cool. We could see him coming all the way across the pond, flying low, or someone would dart around, and we'd give him a call, and they'd swing behind mm-hmm. us. And so we got to see some – I mean, they put on a show for us. Yeah. And the way I was hunting, too, like, I wasn't just going to take the pass shots. I didn't take really pass shot like, on any of them. Every one of them was decoying or cutting around. or And, like, I did miss, you know, a couple that were in the pocket that I probably shouldn't have. But, I mean, that's duck hunting. It can happen for sure. Yeah. But I did have some really cool ones where they just, you know, did the show, came in, and I shot them, like, right before their feet touched the water. Yeah. I think on – I'm trying to think. On on four or five, four of my six till, they were literally yeah, feet skating, in the water. yeah, skating on the water as I shot them, which is like that's awesome. Yeah, so, I yeah. feel like that's like the most success to get them at that at that point, opposed to like you know just shooting them to shoot them. Yeah, and again, kind of like last year, the second hunt was not chaos. At, like the first hunt was chaos last year. The first hunt this year was chaos. I don't know if that's just because. You know, it's the first day back in a blind. The first day we were trying to figure figure it all back out again. I think it's the number of birds, too. Mm, okay. And a combination of the two, for sure. The first day and then, a, like, the the mass amount of birds. Like, you can't, like, kind of reset. It's like if we wa- if you guys watch the YouTube video of day one, which probably won't be out yet, um, but it'll be coming soon. Um, but, <clears throat> oh, no, it'll probably be out. This is day three of the, the podcast. So, anyways, if you watch day one of the hunt, like I try to do the like like mid hunt interview is what I call it or update or whatever. And I'm like trying to do these updates on the camera. And every single time I pulled it out, I think I tried like four, maybe five times. I don't know what's gonna make the cut on the video yet. But every single time it was like big fuck coming, big fuck coming. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, put it down and put it down. It's every single time I try to yeah. do an update. And like the first hunt, like the when we say like big flock coming, it was 50 plus teal at a time that were coming down in the, into the valley just trying to trying to find a place to land. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. So Tim, when did you how did you end up with your four? So you shot what two while we were walking? Oh, uh, by the time you guys said I had my three. Okay. So I had three green or three blue wings and then finally got a green wing that Sat in my de- the sat in the decoys, and uh, first shot hit it, but it couldn't like it didn't die. It just couldn't fly, and so I sent the dog after it. Well, he couldn't catch it because it was like the bottom, like we talked about, was super muddy, and I've got a taller lab, so he wasn't swimming. He was trying to walk through it. Um, so I called him back, and then I shot two more shots. I have no idea where they missed him, but I ended up shooting. I'm fairly certain seven shots at that bird at least. 
before I finally killed it and was able to send the dog after it. Um, so that put me at four. And uh, by that time, I think you you must have limited out by then. Yeah, I was limited. And then I think you had maybe killed one by then or two. Um, I was only at one. Yeah, I hadn't shot. I hadn't shot another one since we walked over there. Okay. Yep. And then I had a flock of three come right into the middle of the decoys where I needed two out of it and whiffed on like two straight flocks of that. So I definitely had opportunities to get my six. Uh, wasn't great shooting at all. So <laughs> it started off yep. positive. We all have days like that, so yeah. But. So you hunted a different spot yesterday, Tim. Yep. What do you think of this versus the tried and true spots that we? Because this is a new spot for us. I will. I will like point that out. Like this is a new spot for us. So, um, so today was a lot like yesterday for because Devin and I where we were at, it was kind of like that. They would there'd be onesie twosies show up. They decoy really well if they were coming in, um, but. As far as, like, the landscape layout, this was a little more forgiving, I guess, as far as you didn't have to worry about the ducks being directly, like, there was open water, I guess, is the way to put it. So so one thing we talked about, call, call back to last year's podcast, and I think the episode was called Don't Be Married to the Boat. <laughs> and it was kind of like one thing that I'm like, because you guys hunt out of the boats a lot, and you guys love doing it. I mean, you pay for nice, expensive boats. Um, they're super, super great for a lot of things um but you know one thing we said is hey like sometimes like don't be married to the boat it's fine to to go and walk into a spot and set up instead of hunting in your boat you know uh-huh. mm-hmm. even though like you know you guys want to utilize it as much as you can but i think there's times where it's almost better to not do it regardless so um yeah so what was your kind of thought on like the setup and and do you like? Do you still like prefer to hunt out of your boat, or do you, or was this like a, a good change of pace? Um. Yeah. I mean, we don't always. I mean, last year I would say we experimented a lot more with not hunting out of our boat after we had the Iowa opener. Um, we walked into a couple spots. I, I don't know. I think the boat has its place. Um, I've yet to find a place. I mean, today would have been hard to hide the boat, I guess, because we just couldn't get to the vegetation. Right, it's just shallow just, along the edges. There's just no way to get to it. So in those situations, yeah, the boat's probably not your best option. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was nice because there was times where when you guys went to that other side, I could watch the birds come in and not move, and they would literally just float all the way to the de- – like, they, it's, they can't see you. You're behind every – like – you just look yeah. like the bank to them because there's nothing out of place. Right, right. Um, and I think so that, that's that one. benefit. I think that is a good benefit. Like, I feel like the best hide, especially on birds like this, is, like, just looking natural, which is, like, standing in natural vegetation they can't see. Now, with mallards that fly higher in circle, mm-hmm. you might not be able to get away with kind of the hide we had. But the till, they'd cup in into the marsh we could see them waffle down and then they'd fly low around the whole thing decide where they're going to land it's not like they fly high and look they just waffle in to the valley of the of the pond come down over the trees and then they just fly around that marshy pond and pick where they want to go and some of them kind of always know they want to go that backside mm-hmm. where we had um the other guys or some of them would circle around and just coast right into us so yeah that hide was like perfect for that yeah and I mean, like, talking about, like, the boats and stuff, I, like, I've quickly found out that one of my more favorite ways to hunt is using the boat to get out, you know, using the boat mm-hmm. to get get far away and then using it to transport my gear somewhere and then hunting away from the boat, either right. bringing another layout boat with me and laying in a layout boat or a kayak, that kind of thing, or laying or going in panel blinds or stuff like that, because we did that quite right. a bit last year. Where, where, like, we'd go out, we had a, a couple mud bars we laid out in layout blinds. We'd drive the boat a couple miles down to the river, and then we'd find a spot where the layout blinds could go. All right, well, we're going to find a good natural point to to reconnect. Hopefully, we're pretty close on topic here. Um, but our buddies are heading out. They just uh, gave us a, a – we, we talked to them real quick before they're heading out. So, anyways, we're jumping back in. And we can't remember exactly what we're talking about. So natural <laughs> oh, or we, unnatural segue. You remember? We were talking about the, the boats and like getting oh, yeah, the yeah, boats yeah. and like the boat lines. Right. So that actually brings up another question. We've been having an ongoing discussion about boat blinds. And I'm a big believer that we can hide in boat blinds. Uh, first, just to prefix this, we're going to like just skim surface this because <laughs> we've already been over it like three or four times. 
like not on the podcast and it makes my brain bleed. So <laughs> like I don't want to keep going for this. Okay. So we, we can we can touch on it, but like so the first thing I want to say about any hide, what is the goal? What is your goal of a hide? Like, what would make a 10 hide and what would make a 1 hide? Like, what is the, the order of what you're trying to hide? Um, <clears throat> Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the bird's not seeing you, so. Yeah, but not seeing your silhouette, not seeing your shadow, not seeing. Just like, anything, right? Is anything? The better, the yeah, the, I mean, but to some extent, obviously, like, you got to be able to shoot. So mm-hmm. there's some trade away. Like we'll talk about like, you know, when we talk about like layouts versus A-frames, A-frames sometimes they have a higher profile, um, but any advantage, like some people say, oh, I think they get closer with a layout, but any advantage you get with like them getting closer with a layout, I think is trumped by like how much better and quicker you can shoot from an A-frame, especially for like bigger guys like me and Tim. So it's like maybe they get five yards, they, they peel off five yards further away, but you're going to be on them so much quicker out of an A-frame that it makes up for that difference. So there's, there is some give and take when it comes to like hide because the best hide would be literally like being inside a building, you know, like mm-hmm. where they can't see you or like, you know, being so swallowed up in vegetation that they can't see you. But if you like literally can't get your gun through it and can't see to aim, you know, so there's some give and take. So my, that would be my best hide for me. My favorite thing, like you said, going in with the boats. I love going in the boats and setting up with an A-frame just anywhere. I would do it, like, even where we hit, we hid today in the vegetation. Most people would be like, ah, that vegetation's good enough. I'd rather actually, like, put the A-frame. Yeah, and brush it in. Brush it in and put it in there because, like, what happens is it gets pushed. Even as we hunted today, it got pushed and it got widened. Mm-hmm. And then there's that big hole. And A-frames have that angle where you brush it in and it closes that hole at the top. And then you can kind of push the stuff out of the way, and you stand up into the brush and shoot, right? Yeah. Yep. So it's like kind of that's that's my favorite best hide is an A frame on the bank, matching the natural vegetation and shooting ducks. Okay. What about you, Tim? Like, what's the goal of a hide? Uh, so the thing that flares birds the most, in my opinion, is movement. So if you don't move, birds don't flare. And so the whole point of a hide is to try to prevent the birds from seeing you move when you don't want to move or if someone turns their face to it. So that would be my goal of a hide. If you can prevent birds from seeing your movement, it's a good enough hide then. See, in in my, my, disag- my disagreement with that is, is I believe that birds see your silhouette. I think that birds see silhouettes as much as movement, and I think that birds see dark holes in blinds. So like when you have an open hole on the top of a blind – you know, it creates a big shadow inside the blind and it looks like a dark square if you ever like fly over them with a drone. And I think the birds can see that because it looks way weird compared to the rest of the marsh. Sure, but if you have like a, a brush dinner on that square, it's not, you know. No, but see, that's like closing the hole in. Right. Well, and, even if it was like bigger and you still have the hole, because my, I guess my thought is like you'll have natural spots in vegetation where it's going to be darker, yeah. lighter too. It just has to look natural. And like that's where if like it's a perfect square dark hole and it's so different than everything else then that's where you're gonna get mm-hmm. so and i think that's why people say like on sunny days versus cloudy days because sunny days cast shadows everywhere yeah so you can hide in the shadow of vegetation or tree or whatever mm-hmm. and they're the, the the visual is harder for them to pick out what's in the shadow because their eye is adjusted to that bright light whereas like on a cloudy day everything's flat and so now if you have that dark hole there's no other shadows, and there's that shadow. And it's like, well, what, what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I just, I do believe that they see silhouettes. So, like, you know, your head sticking out of a blind, people standing up with their shoulders out. I think that they do pick that off. Now, right. I don't think they pick that off at 100 yards. I think they pick that off at 25. You know, like, that's a... They might yeah, see or you 50. Wave, yeah. I mean... They might we, see you wave We have days where, like, though. your hide's bad, and they'll pick you off at, like, 50, 60, mm-hmm. and they just never get close enough to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, but like you know, like to Tim's point, like the movement, if you're waving your arm and pointing at 100 yards, that'll flare a bird. Like I think that, that flares a bird before your silhouette does. Right, right. And so a lot of people talk about like windy days too, and windy days like it being all about the ripples on the water, mm-hmm. which I definitely think that's part of it. But I also think that there's movement, whether it's like if you look at the grass on a windy day, it all kind of like waves and, you know, mm-hmm. and trees, same thing. So there's movement everywhere. On a still day... If you move, it's the only thing that moves. Yeah, that's a good point. And that actually brings up another point on something I don't like about boat blinds is that I've hunted out of smaller boats. For reference, I have an 1860, so a pretty big boat. 
but out of like a smaller boat, like a 1448 or a 1640 boat, when you move in the boat, you make the whole blind move. You know, a lot of people don't realize that like when you're in a boat and like you shift your weight in the boat, now that whole blind just shifted with the weight, with like the movement of the boat, not just your silhouette, which I think that we've, we've been caught flaring birds doing that in the past too. Mm. So what's kind of the consensus of this? This rabbit trail. So the the consensus is, is, and this is the next part, when people say that like boat blinds don't work, I think that the, generally the problem is, is that they're not, they're not brushing the blinds in enough, not hiding the outline enough. They throw a piece of burlap over it and they're like, ah, look, it's great. And then they never hide the outline. And I also think that a lot of boat blinds aren't designed to conceal your silhouette. Mm. A lot of them like are a square hole in the top that you poke through. And like, I don't think that conceals your silhouette enough. For yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point because like where you guys hunt or hunt too, you will have a silhouette. Like if a bird's coming in straight mm-hmm. and your head's sticking above it, then you can you know if it's not like yeah. where you're kind of yeah. And then of course, like naturally, when you see a bird, everybody <clears throat> kind of gets down. Well, if you're standing up and silhouetted, and then you get down real quick, well now they just saw the movement. You know, so like the sil- what was worse, standing up and having him pick you off at fifty with the silhouette, or moving and having him flare at a hundred, like, right? It depends on the bird. I've had it where you can sit down and they still finish or you stand, you don't move and they, and they still finish mm-hmm. or vice versa. Either one doesn't work too. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're never right. A hundred percent of the time. Right. No, the, the rabbit trail is that like, I think boat blinds are still viable and they're very useful in our area. I mean, I spent a ton of time this year rebuilding my boat blind and I just don't think that the, I think that a lot of people that don't think they work, don't hunt them in the right areas or don't have them brushed properly for their concealment. Like if they, if they took the same things that they applied to an A-frame to their boat blind, their boat blinds would look different. They would be brushed right. differently and everything. Well, I think you kind of made a good point with A-frame or not A-frame, but like boat blinds. I mean, boat blinds are, I feel like they're so much harder to brush in and have like, cause they're all made to like be universal and like, mm-hmm. then you stretch them over the sides and the back and you got a mud motor on the back and, and, um, it's really hard to get all the edges and get everything and then also, like, you have the bottom part of the boat, which yeah. there's no stubble straps on it, no, you know. And so it's it's hard to always have it in a spot where that whole bottom part is um, is, is covered up. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also, it's just, it's a way higher profile than, you know, most things. So it depends yeah. where you're set up. Like, I think if you're setting up against, like, something really tall or against, like, a wood line, mm-hmm. you know, I think you can be successful there. Or, like... You know, a, t- a tall stand of vegetation, but like the 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 lower profile of the vegetation around it, I think the harder it is to set it up. I I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Anything to add? Tim, Tim just loves his boat blinds. There's, you can just say it. You know. No, I mean, I there's like, nothing wrong with that either. So I do like boat blinds, uh, but I mean, I won't get into details. But I have I we get away with a lot with boat blinds if it's if you're not moving. Like, if you can conceal the movement, that's what we've learned because we'll put a boat blind that is two times taller than any vegetation, anything around us, and we'll still finish birds and decoys. But You're talking like mallards or just birds in general? Uh, gadwall, pintails, mallards, you name Geese. it. Geese. Um, but most of those boat, boat blinds or river blinds, depending on what we're hunting out of, they usually have knockdowns, so you can't see in them, so there's no movement. Um yeah, right. look, no movement. Like See, I've just I've never had that experience, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what we get away with a lot. But also, we realize that movement's going to flare a bird before most anything else. If, right? If they see their friends and they don't see anything out of the ordinary, they it's just another tree or right. stubble. I mean, I know people do it. And I know people live and and die by the boat blind and yeah. Now, with what Tim's saying, though, too, like those kind of boat blinds are brushed in with tumbleweed where it just looks like we we have what's called buck brush around here. I think a lot of people are familiar with it. Yep. And so, like, when you brush in a boat blind with tumbleweed, it has it just looks like a clump of buck brush that's just growing somewhere. Because, like, you'll look out in a marsh around here and they'll just be buck brush randomly. So when you cover a boat blind in tumbleweed, like a hard side blind, it just looks like that. Especially if you have knockdowns where there's no, you know, there's no holes. What do you, What do you think about... Elliot's boat blind and how it's brushed in because he <laughs> he struggles a lot out I, of his boat too. He's always saying, "Oh, I can't get him to." And I'm, he's very shot and selective, and he sits up on the bank a lot. And we hit we hunt pretty similarly. So, <clears throat> um, 
but he's always when he gets in the boat blind, and I th- I don't think he's willing to take a shot like outside of thirty. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think he doesn't. Yeah, but I think that that has a lot more to do with like again, his boat blind doesn't look like his layout blinds. If he took as much time on his layout blinds and then like extrapolated that to his boat blind, his boat blind he'd have way more success in the boat blind. Yeah, but it cost a fortune to. <laughs> I mean, and, and Rafia to to get. I mean, your boat to look like yeah. that. I mean, either Rafia or if you like put a hard side blind and find like tumbleweed or Russian thistle. Sure, like that's, that's so. You, the way you're to saying that he he just doesn't brush it in enough. Yeah, because like when you look at, in my opinion, when you look at his blind, too it, thin. It's like the camo it's all netting. synthetic. Yeah, it's like just it, it looks like a, a frame with camo netting over it, and he throws a few sticks on it. Yeah, and I don't think that that's not enough to break up the edge. That's not enough to break up the edge, break up your silhouette or hide your movement. So you're not like you would rate that hide like a one or a two, you know, if maybe a three, <laughs> you know, if that's what you're trying to do. And that's why like, he's like, Oh, I, I'm so much better leaning against a tree. Cause like a tree is like a two hide to me. If I'm just leaning against a tree on a water line. Mm, I feel like a tree on a water line on a solo hunt is better than a two. Really? On yeah, a tree. Yeah. You got top cover. Yeah. So you got top cover pretty well. As long and as like, if you're around. literally up against the tree, yeah, it's uh, by yourself. I'm not saying like five people, one person. That's a pretty good hide. Yeah, yeah. but like, uh, like, but a tree doesn't conceal your silhouette. Unless it does. You're, yeah, if you're leaning against you're leaning it, right? Against it, like you're a lump. It I does. Know. I think it does. I would argue that it does hide your your silhouette. Okay. Because you you literally have a forest behind you, right? Yeah. And you have top cover. I guess it's a good point. In the trees is actually a really good hide, especially in the sun, because casting the shadows. I mean, I you got a good point there. There's a reason the Arkansas boys do it. Right, right. It works really well. Yeah, right. but like when you're looking but at But just like sitting the, on the bank with nothing behind you, it's, it's totally different. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I'd say the tree is like the one exception. <laughs> okay. I mean, fair it, enough. It's, it is. It's, it's a real thing. Yeah. So. I, although, going back to it, I do believe that the, the blind is not brushed enough. And if he applied the same like logic he applies to other blinds to his boat blind, he would like look at it and say it's it's not enough. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, I guess we can jump back to the hunt then. Yeah. <laughs> and so we actually we finished the hunt, um, and we were just too shy of the five men back in that marsh for the second day. So <clears throat> that's pretty good. Two days in there, and we, what we say? We uh, we harvested 58 teal. Yep, yep. Two days in the same marsh, 58 right? teal. Cleaned them up. Everyone's like, oh, that's a ton of birds. Um, but, like, you know, we're, we're hunters. We cook all the time. We know how to prepare our meat, and it's. I think that's a important part of duck hunting um, that a lot of people like overlook. But I actually enjoy like trying to find like different ways to cook it up and eat it, and especially like on a trip, like make something that um, is going to take up a lot of that meat. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like you have to be like when we're traveling state lines. You guys are local, but for me, it's like I want to eat my duck as I go. Yeah. Um, because you got to keep a wing on for transportation and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but we cooked up a mess, a mess of our teal. Mm-hmm. And well, how'd you cook them? Yeah. So we were gonna we're in an Airbnb, which reminds me, if you guys are hearing like street noises, we're sitting on the front porch of our Airbnb right now, and uh, and just chilling and doing the podcast. But anyways, um, I cooked it up, just trying something old that I've done in the past. Um, but we didn't have a slow cooker. I wanted to make barbecue duck, right? Pulled pulled barbecue, like pulled pork. So it actually was pretty darn easy to make without a slow cooker. So I'm like, well, if we don't have a slow cooker, we're going to have to do the old-fashioned way and boil it. So looked up how to boil chicken, followed the same recipe on YouTube, just took chicken broth, which you can use beef beef broth or chicken broth, interchangeable with this. Cleaned all the teal off pretty good. I think what we did like twenty some teal maybe. Yeah. Um, there's five of us. Shredded it all up. Well, no, boiled it for like ow, twenty thirty minutes. Not very long at all. I took out the first piece once it started to shred apart. Um, then we're good to go. We all got in the kitchen. Then everybody's going at it. Well, I don't even know if everybody, but a handful <laughs> of us were in there shredding it up. We shredded it up. Threw it back in the pot. Took half a bottle of Baby Ray's, <laughs> squirted it in there, mixed it around. Um, I think, like, average people, like, rated it. We were rating it for the video. Um, we rated it, like, a six and a half to seven. So it wasn't, like, you know, steak, 
But I mean, we're talking like this is wild duck. We shot it today. No brine. Mm-hmm. Um, shredded up. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was solid. You know, there's people going def- back for seconds. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was definitely more than edible. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd make it again. I think it would be better on a slow cooker or, you know, other various ways. But a smoker, yeah, smoker, Smo- something like slow. A yeah. smoker's great. Yeah. Um, so something a slow cook because like we did try some of the teal coming out of boiling it. You know, before we put the the sauce and everything with it, and it, it tastes like just a meat that was cooked. Like it tastes like duck meat that was cooked with right. no seasoning. You know, right. Obviously, I, it's boiled. I probably could have seasoned it more. All I put in there was seasoned salt garlic and onion pepper mm-hmm. like if i actually had an actual onion to put in there and like garlic cloves and yeah who knows like minced onion or whatever you know like we could have we could have spiced it up more but we just kind of kept it simple and used what seasoning was in the airbnb so mm-hmm. and i probably could have gone heavier on the bottle of of spices in there and added it to it to give it more flavor because like like you said out of it it didn't even taste very seasoned at all mm-hmm. when we just tried it before we added the barbecue but also you don't want it to like have an overwhelming taste besides the barbecue yeah you know? so point. if you're if you got the pulled the pulled duck so tomorrow we'll probably finish off a lot of ours doing like poppers or something simple we'll see mm-hmm. we'll yeah, see yeah we talked about like making like pulled duck like nachos right right yep there's definitely some options out there for sure mm-hmm. so plan for tomorrow uh, the plan for tomorrow is we're going to hunt the same general area, but a different part of it. Right. I think is the best way to say that. There's like a there's like a pond mm-hmm. in the back that's like off this pond, right? So, <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, there's no... So, okay. Actually, this brings up a different thing. So, we went out. We saw birds flying back into this back, like back cut, essentially. And we went back there and found the hole and everything. Now, what did you dis- discover with the water? It's like super cold, which doesn't make sense, right? Like I was walking through. You didn't have your waders on. You're driving the boat around, so we went in to scout it, and we actually busted up the birds, which I know is like kind of like the cardinal, the cardinal sin of scouting. Like bust the birds up and then go hunt it the next day, um, but we did. <laughs> so <laughs> we got in there, and all of a sudden the birds were popping up, and we just wanted to really check out the hole. So we kept walking, kept walking, and we probably busted up like 200 birds out of there. Mm-hmm. And we know that there was till in there, but it seemed like what we could visually ID was like a lot of wood ducks. Yeah. But we know we saw till flying back there, and we just assume they were landing with the wood ducks. We just couldn't see well enough to identify. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were at, flushing yeah. out away from us. And we were like walking through the woods as they did it. So, mm-hmm. so but you got in the water, and for like for like reference this is a a segmented pool it is not connected by water to where we were hunting earlier there is like just a mud flat between the two and so it i don't understand why the water would be colder it's been 100 degrees last week it's been 90 for the last 2 days it had to be like like 40 to 50 degree water and like that can't be spring water can it i don't know i have no idea it doesn't make sense, but it, maybe that's why the birds are sitting back there, right? I mean, right? Is that the theory? Is that it's it was warm like, outside, so they're going back to the cold water? It could be. I mean, I would put my hand down in there, and it was like I was telling you, like, because you're standing on the bank, and I'm mm-hmm. like, man, this is cold water, and I like put my hand in the water, push it in, I'm like, hot, 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 and my hand would get like into the water, and I'm like cold, and you could feel like the difference where the surface, like three inches, was hot. And then right below that was just like super chilly water. Yeah, and it's like colder than even the river is right now, from mm. what you were kind of sounding like. Because the river is like pretty warm, all things considering right now. I don't, I don't know the exact temperature. I don't uh, know if you saw it. On yeah, my fish finder said seventy two still. Oh yeah, it was way cooler than that. So, so there has to be a spring or something coming up. Yeah, from deep in the river or something up through the the bottom that feeds this this pond. It's the, you, that's inside the island. Did you walk in the pond by chance? Yeah. yeah that's how I could fill the how water. Deep is it? Uh, I mean, chest, no, not even yeah. chest high. Waist? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Depends how far you sink in the mud. Okay. But so that kind of brings to the next point is that if we believe that that's spring fed, will that be open late season? If we get a hard ice, you think? Hmm. Worth checking out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be worth checking out, but I, I've been thinking about I don't that. think it will be because the surface. Matched like the air, mm-hmm. and there's no like water disturbance. So, who knows? Uh, heat also rises. Yeah, right. So in the winter, it could be opposite, where it could be warmer on the top. 
Yeah, but isn't that thing with like spring fed spring fed ponds? Is it normally cooler during the summer and warmer during? Like they still they maintain the temperature above freezing during the winter. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Just interesting. It's it's an interesting thing when like the river temp is thirty degrees warmer than what we expect this pond to be. You know, right, right. Yeah, it is definitely odd. But that's the plan: is to walk back there and hunt that tomorrow. Right, and the kind of the general consensus after the scout is like, well. Even if there's not a lot of teal in here, we can move. And two, it'll be just like an awesome show. Yeah. Because there's the going to be ducks. birds coming in there like crazy. If there's, you know, we bust up 200 in this like tiny, tiny. I mean, it's like 50 yards by like 15 or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This little tiny like cut or slew or whatever you want to call it. And all in true flooded timber. That's <laughs> <laughs> a joke. That's oh, a joke. Boy. <laughs> oh, boy. But it is, I mean, it, it's it's pretty tight quarters for sure. With trees on either side of a, a tiny little pond. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it'll hopefully, I mean, hopefully it'll produce. And like you'd said, it is like, a, I don't know, probably like a 400 yard walk through the woods if it doesn't, if we want to go back to where one of the spots we were hunting today. So, right. You know, Tim, always, are you in? We always have the backup. Uh, I'm waiting for one text. That's all I'm waiting for. So, okay. More than likely, yeah, I'm waiting for one text. I got a buddy um, from last year, Bobby. He's getting off work at five. Can't hold a spot, so he's seeing if I want to go hold a spot for him. I'm waiting for a text back. Okay, gotcha. He's got probably 15 minutes before I go to bed, though. So. <laughs> good deal. Well, I guess it's probably a good place to go ahead and wrap her up. Um, but I don't know if we'll uh, wait. We'll be here again tomorrow. Yeah, we'll so, be yeah. here again tomorrow. Okay. So, all righty, guys. Stay tuned. More to come from the Iowa early season tilt trip. I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles. Hunter and Tim, the Iowa boys, and we'll see you guys on the next one. All right, fellas, hope you guys are enjoying the Iowa Till Trip podcast series we're doing here from the road. I know you guys always love from the road podcast, and we're going to keep that going. Um, we got a ton of trips planned this year, um, so it's going to be awesome keeping uh, some of these uh, podcast series rolling. Um, but guys, I did want to ask you for one favor. If you're enjoying the podcast, the best way you can support the podcast and help me continue to grow it and continue to pump out some awesome content is tell a buddy. You know, we all, we're all hunting season is coming up now. Um, tell your buddies, tell your buddies about the duck gun podcast. Um, I really, really would appreciate it guys. And while you're at it, you know, drop a five star review over there, um, on your choice of, uh, podcast listening. Um, that's a terrible way of saying it. wherever you listen to your podcast, but anyways, that's all I got guys. Thanks again. I'm Jordan duck and Chronicles, and we'll see you on the next one.